Hello and welcome to APW's Property Podcast Series. Uh, Think of it like a great big oral magazine where your ears can flick through the podcast pages and stumble across an audio article on a topic of interest to all those who like UK property. Today your lug holes can settle on EPCs. What are they? Who needs them? How do I get one? Joining me to pour wisdom into your ear holes are APW's Stuart Williamson. Hi Stuart. Hello Paul, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And you're in Wales, we gather. It is wet Welsh Wales. And uh, property consultant Graham Kinnear. Uh, hi, Graham. Hello there. Uh, regular listeners will know that APW advises expats on buying property in the UK and has been doing so for over 30 years. But Graham, uh, since this is your first time you're joining us on the podcast, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, of course. Um, I'm Graham Kinnear. I'm a chartered building engineer and chartered construction manager. And I'm also an accredited energy assessor, and I've been undertaking EPC since they were introduced back in 2007. I run a building surveying practice based in East Kent, though we do have some regional uh, coverage to other areas too. And uh, you're a party wall specialist as well, I gather. That's right, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, party wall surveying is one of the main tenets of, of what we do as a firm. Uh, we also do some construction project management work as well, and, and consultancy to property owners and investors. So broad mix, yes. Okay, but uh, yeah, it was the expert in energy assessment surveys, which is today's subject, uh, EPCs. Stuart, can you start by telling us what an EPC is? An EPC is an energy performance certificate, which is designed really with the idea of going to zero carbon emissions but in reality, all it does is really rate the energy efficiency. So the whole thing is incorrectly done from the start. But anyway, the point is, is all new tenancies from 2025 must have a rating of C, and all tenancies from 2028 must be a C. At the moment, it must be an E to rent out. So it's the start of a very confusing thing. Yeah, so uh, first introduced in England and Wales in 2007, uh, EPCs provide a measure of the thermal efficiency of a building or the energy performance. Uh, Under Article 7 of the European Directive on the Energy Performance of Buildings, a building which is sold, rented out or constructed must have an energy performance certificate. Uh, This must be issued by a qualified and accredited assessor in an independent manner. Uh, Once produced, an EPC is valid for 10 years. And Graham, uh, you are one of those qualified assessors. Uh, So tell us how it works and a little bit about the rating system. Okay, so effectively, the the process works for an existing dwelling EPC that it requires a site visit. I suppose that's the first thing to mention, because the energy certificate for a new build property doesn't require a site visit. It's done entirely from drawings. So for an existing dwelling, there's there's a site visit, and principally the surveyor needs to calculate the volume of the building. So they'll have to undertake some measurements to calculate the volume of the building. And then it's a case of noting down the construction type uh, of the building and then looking at what's in it and around it. So that would include how the property's heated, how the water's heated, the insulation measures, Uh, lighting, glazing, those sort of things. And then equipped with all of that data, it then gets processed through a software system and and ultimately it produces a score. And then from there, the certificate's created. 
Okay. Uh, and also, it's a, um, you say where the building's located. That's, you know, difference between semi-detached and terraced and detached buildings because uh, the number of outside walls is a big thing, isn't it? It is because the central part to the energy certificate is about heat loss. So clearly, the greater the, the number and, and length or area of, of external walls, generally the greater the heat loss. So yes, by definition, a mid-terrace house would have uh, lower heat loss than a semi-detached or, or a detached one. Okay, and you mentioned some of the other key components for the assessment there, the insulation. Um, uh, what about double glazing? Or what, what, about, what about some of the elements that go into producing this score and therefore the rating? How are they constructed? So you record the various uh, facets of the property. So for sake of argument with double glazing, as far as the, the government software system is concerned, you've got the opportunity of recording the glazing as being single glazed, double glazed, triple glazed, secondary glazed. And within that, there's there's a further option in terms of uh, a, a dating of the double glazing, which principally works on the basis of is it pre-2002 or post-2002, principally because at that stage the thermal requirements of, of glazing changed by way of the building regulations. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it becomes an incredibly complex um algorithm basically because it it is affected by all of these changes in building regulations i didn't realize there was one to do with double glazing but is that to do with because that's uh you get leakage of the gas within the side of double glazing units don't you as well so presumably old old double glazing doesn't necessarily work as well as new double glazing from a thermal point of view i would agree that that's the case though the energy certificate wouldn't reflect that so if the double glaze unit had failed, the energy certificate, there's, there's nowhere on the system where, you know, you could input that, that level of detail. So it, it would have the same score as if it was in perfect working order. It, it equally doesn't make any difference for what the glazing gap is filled with. So the, the sealed unit, if it's filled with air or if it's argon filled on an existing dwelling EPC, it, that detail can't be recorded. It can for a new build one, but not for an existing dwelling one. Right. So this is one of the things about it is that that it, it's a one-size-fits-all certificate, which obviously when you look at UK housing, it's incredibly uh, different and, and there's a wide variety of it going back centuries. We're going to look at that in our next podcast. We'll sort of look at some of the things you can do to uh, improve properties over time. But um, what has the biggest impact on scores? Because part of an EPC certificate then is recommendations on how to improve it for a property. So w- what are some of the things that you uh, recommend in the in the certificates? So generally, the things that would make the biggest difference are things w- that aren't there presently. So if you take loft insulation as an example, if the current situation is that there is none at all, then adding some will make a significant difference to the score. But for sake of argument, if you had 100 millimetres of loft insulation already and that was increased to what current building regulations would be, let's say 300 millimetres, the difference in the score for that would be very negligible. But if you went from none to some, then that the difference is quite significant. And broadly speaking, it's those measures which would readily 
help the building to retain heat. So it's generally roof, wall, floor insulation, though floor insulation is limited in its value because the heat loss downwards is quite limited. So it's principally walls and roof are the things that make the biggest difference. And then beyond that, you're then looking at how the building is heated in terms of trying to improve the score. And what what uh, what's the biggest impact on improving the score for heating? For heating, it, well, I suppose it de- depends on on the property itself. But if there is a mains gas supply to the property, then to do well with an EPC score, then you would be looking at gas central heating system, either with a cylinder or or a combination boiler. If there isn't gas, then to take advantage of as good an EPC as you're likely to get would involve electric heating either by way of high heat retention storage heaters or or some of the the newer ideas like air source heat pumps. Okay. So yes, uh, heating then obviously has a that your heating system has a big impact and it's and I get the idea that the government is basically trying to put pressure on everyone to improve the quality of their buildings uh, from an energy efficiency point of view. And obviously, then this is the big stick that they have applied uh, across the board. Uh, What are some of the regulations on the private rented sector about EPCs? Uh, Stuart touched on them earlier, but let's just go over over them again. Uh, From a landlord's point of view, if you're if you're renting property, for you to currently legally let the property, it needs to have a minimum of an EPC band E. So it needs to reach a minimum of 39 points. And below that, it it's, it would technically be illegal to let it. Yes, the, the, the two ratings below are F and G, aren't they? So That's right, yes. That was uh, all properties had to be E by, I think it was 2018, didn't they? That's uh, right. That was part of the minimum energy efficiency standards, these MEs regulations that came in but of course the view now is that instead of e they're going to want to get it to c within the next few years and that is a i think a very a very much more significant hurdle for landlords to overcome yes and uh, so uh, what about this capping because again they there was obviously a big complaint by landlords and, and representative bodies from landlords who sort of said, well, we can't do it. It's going to cost us too much. So they introduced this price capping, uh, which means that you could get an exemption as long as you'd spent a certain amount of money on a property. And if you went over, then the the exemption would apply. I think I've understood that, but it does seem very complex. Do, uh, can you take us through that? So there was, that's right. So one of the... Um one of the reasons that you could apply for an exemption is on the basis that you'd effectively spent enough money trying to get your property to the required grade and you couldn't. And I think that was set at three and a half thousand. There were other criterion for for exemptions. And I suppose the question mark is whether they will also carry through to any new requirements to get to a band C. But for sake of argument, there was uh, a criteria for exemption on the basis of all improvements made. So if you if you said that you'd implemented all of the recommendations that were on your certificate, that you couldn't feasibly be asked to undertake any more, and therefore uh, there was an exemption. There was a, a new landlord exemption. So if you had acquired a property uh, that 
failed to meet the required standard that effectively you could have an exemption for six months to allow you the opportunity to do something about it. Uh, There was also an exemption criterion on the basis that uh, third-party consents were required for the work. So that might include uh, if you needed, if it was a leasehold apartment, if you needed freeholders' consent. But I think it was more intended for perhaps listed buildings and those in conservation areas where certain improvements would require listed building consent or or consent for conservation areas. And there was also... um, uh, and I don't know anyone that's ever tried this one, but there was also an ex- exemption criterion if you could demonstrate that if you undertook the works, the capital value of the building would drop by more than 5%, that, that it supposedly then to allow you onto the exemptions register. Uh, and there's, there's also, I think there was the final one, that the, there was an argument with wall insulation that if you could demonstrate that it was inappropriate for that building... Uh, or the building concerns that that could get you on the exemptions register too. Yes, as I said, we're going to, in a separate podcast, go through uh, the difference and the variety of UK property and why uh, some of these um, energy efficiency measures are complicated. But for today, we're just sticking with the sort of basics, this introduction to EPCs. Uh, so we've got those exemptions. You've got this price cap. I think the price cap is going up to 10,000. Is that right? That's my understanding, yes. But this is a bill that's going through Parliament at the moment and and hasn't yet been passed into law. That's right. It's based on a consultation, I think, that was done a couple of years ago and whether there'll be an introduction of the the proposed new measures in isolation or, or whether it will form part of the forthcoming Renters' Reform Bill, whatever that ends up being called, um, we don't know. But I, I think certainly it's fair to say that there is going to be a drive that the EPC score needs to be higher than is currently the case. Okay, so um, basically for those who want to know more, you need to look at the government website uh, under EPCs, Energy Performance Certificates, and uh, MEES, as you say, which is the Minimum Energy Efficiency Standard, which is also uh, a part of the process of, of upgrading houses. Stuart, have you done a number of EPCs over time? with your various properties to be fair i haven't no i mean the stuff i bought myself is either new or super old and we've refurbed it so the actual certification that comes in with the properties later then is is sufficient it's actually a c at the moment or above so i haven't really got involved in it and it does seem to me like uh i don't know a, a quagmire a sinking sand of of where things can go wrong i mean I'm sitting in a house at the moment that was built in 1922. And if I try to get the energy efficiency of this home up, I mean, I don't know how could that possibly occur? You'd have to apply for an exemption because, you know, it just, it's just not going to work. And I don't really see how the whole system will work myself. But I'm sure we will see in the fullness of time with the help of people like Graham to get it all clear. Okay, well, we're going to... Um as I say, look at the different housing stock uh, requirements across the UK in a separate podcast. Just also say that we're talking here about England and Wales because the rules in Scotland and Northern Ireland are subtly different. Uh, They still have EPCs, but uh, how and when they're required and what you have to do uh, is different. Um, One big difference I uh, read about was that in Scotland, you 
get an EPC and it lasts for 10 years. Uh, and it doesn't matter whatever work you do in that 10 years, it still uh, can be your EPC for that 10 years. Whereas in England, once you've done the work, you should get a new EPC. Is that right, Graham? To be honest, I'm not sure. I think I think sometimes it gets triggered as an aside for for the works that have been happening rather than a standalone requirement for a new certificate. So for sake of argument, a, a lot of the work that was done under grant schemes required uh, an EPC to be done at the end to effectively demonstrate the carbon improvement that, that had been achieved. And so as a consequence of that, once the works are done, the certificate was done, but not necessarily for the reason that that it had to be done. I mean, we regularly see buildings that have got a current valid EPC where they've got a very, you know, they're very different to how they were when that EPC was undertaken, whether it's the heating system has been changed or, you know, the building's been extended or, or what have you. Okay. Uh, so, well, let's just go, go back over the basics. Uh, how do I get an EPC? So as as we mentioned earlier, or, or I think you mentioned earlier, the um, the surveyor that undertakes the EPC needs to be accredited. Um, and so the way to find someone is, or the easiest way, I suppose, is to go on the, the government website, um, the EPC register, and you can search by way of postcode. So if you put in a postcode of your property, it will come up with all the uh, all the individuals who are accredited that operate within that area. And then and then you can contact one of them. That's probably the easiest way to do it. So the EPC register is a list of um, all the houses and what their EPCs are? Yes, the EPC register, you can go in and search for postcode for a property, uh, and but you can also search for an accredited surveyor. Okay. And how much do they cost, EPCs? Well, I think it varies regionally, but, I mean, broadly, you're looking sort of £75 is, I think, about what would be considered average uh, and they don't tend to a, a lot of times when we get inquiries people wax lyrical about how many rooms that they've got and what have you uh, generally speaking it's a flat fee whether it's a one-bedroom flat or a four-bedroom house the, the work involved is pretty similar uh, arguably with a bigger house you've got slightly more measuring to do to work out the volume but you still typically only got one heating system and one water system so the price tends not to change in, in respect of property size okay uh, well look that's it for today uh, join us next week when we'll be looking uh, a further look into epcs and the ratings in particular a deeper look at the housing stock in england and wales uh, there's a comprehensive page on the hm government website called domestic private rented property minimum energy efficiency standard landlord guidance and there's a link to that in the show notes until then my thanks to special guest graham Kinnear. thank you very much and to stuart williamson thank you very much paul cheerio and thanks graham coming along very welcome thank you do get in touch by email if you have anything you want us to ask or topics you would like us to cover. The address is podcast at apwproperty.co.uk. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.